Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam, and we are talking about the subject uh, of the call of God. And I want to uh, start today by recapping something that I said uh, yesterday, and that was the fourth point was uh, one of the things that uh, the Apostle Paul did was to uh, maintain the purity of the gospel. And that is very, very important, maintaining the purity of the gospel. That means maintaining the and keeping uh, the gospel, making sure that the gospel is defended so that it stays in its purest and simplest form because only the pure and simple gospel can save sinners. And uh, But in saying this, I must make one thing very clear that, you know, people are talking about especially in America, where people tend to go crazy about certain things. People are talking about there's a war against Christianity. Well, listen, there has always been a so-called quote-unquote war against Christianity because the world has always been at variance against the gospel. I mean, if you look at the 2000 years of the church, the world has always been at war against the church in the sense that uh, that uh, they don't believe in us and, you know, they think we are troublemakers. But we have to be very careful that we don't de develop an attitude that we are at war against them because we are not at war against them. If you have this attitude that many American Christians have today, we are at war against Democrats, we are at war against liberals, believe me, you're going to lose them because you cannot win souls if you have a belligerent, aggressive, angry attitude towards them, because to win, sinner, to win sinners for Jesus, you have to love them. You know, the Bible says, bless them that curse you, overcome evil with good, love your enemies and all that. Those are the commandments of Jesus. And in our zeal, you know, we, we can become like, like, like Pharisees and we can, be, we can become like zealots that in order to so-called defend Christianity and uphold so-called biblical values, we begin to feel like we are being besieged by people who are our enemies and they hate us and so we should be angry at them and belligerent towards them. Listen, what Christian values are you people trying to defend? Because the, 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 the first of all Christian values is love. The gospel is the gospel of love. How can you say that you, uh, that you believe in the gospel when you actually hate people and you despise people and you loathe people just because you feel that they, uh, they, you know, they don't like you? This is very, very, very important. We must maintain a biblical stance towards sinners and towards those who are against the gospel. We must do that because if we don't, believe me, all you are talking about revival, people are talking about revival. There is no revival without loving our enemies. There's no revival without, uh, uh, without loving sinners and without um, um, preaching the gospel to them. And so if, you're, if you think that you're going to have this... Mm, uh, this um, right-wing militant 
attitude towards sinners and, and, and you're going to get out on Facebook and vilify them and attack them at every turn. At the same time, you're going to have revival. Listen, you are barking up the wrong tree. We do not agree with the things that people in the world believe. They have a different set of values, but Jesus told us to love them. And sometimes in, when, when, when you have to love people, you just have got to zip your lip and keep your mouth shut. And you should only open your mouth to preach the gospel to them or to pray for them. That should be our stance against the world. Now, uh, that being said, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm using plain language, but maybe some of you need to hear this kind of plain language because I am I'm tired and fed up of the rhetoric I hear even from so-called Christian leaders. So, you know, some of the things they say, and it is, <coughs> it is not good for the cause of the gospel. But when it says that Paul defended the gospel, he didn't defend the gospel from people outside. So in other words, um, although the Romans, for example, were so cruel to towards the Christians, Paul never said again anything against the Romans. And in fact, we defend the gospel from those within, from inside the church who would pervert the gospel. So in the days of Paul, you had the Judaizers and the, and, and the Gnostics. And these were people who were within the ranks of the church who were trying to uh, who were trying to turn and modify the gospel, and um, and and Paul had to defend the gospel to keep it in its purest form. In today, in our day and age, um, I should say the greatest attack on the gospel, on the simplicity of the gospel, are those uh, people who look at certain sexual perversions and think that uh, these things should be accepted by the church and that people who who practice those things, who practice those perversions uh, and still call themselves Christians, they should be allowed to be members and that we should accept these perversions as normal and we should accept these uh, perverted behaviors, these sexual perversions as mainstream Christian behavior and that we, we have to modify our interpretation of the scriptures to accommodate those perversions and the people who practice those perversions. So that is a great responsibility we have to defend the gospel because we don't want the future generations to end up with a gospel where uh, we say, well, you, you know, uh, uh, that uh, God loves everybody. So God accepts all kinds of behavior because it is incumbent upon him because he is love. So we should, uh, that in the name of love, we accept, accept all kinds of perverted behavior and it's okay. Jesus thinks they're okay. Well, they are not okay. And that's not the kind of gospel I want to pass on to the next generation because there's preachers who uh, these days, preachers of big churches who uh, who either uh, they, they, um, they don't say anything about these issues because they're afraid of being called this phobe or that phobe. They're just afraid uh, of losing their popularity, losing some people, and they're just afraid. So they have, they have already modified their gospels through their silence. And I'm not saying we should preach against things, but we have to tell people what the Bible says about these subjects, what, what the Bible says about 
um, uh, you know, about sexual behavior of different kinds. We have to be, uh, we just have to preach what the Bible teaches without necessarily attacking the people who practice those things because we have to remember that Jesus loves them also and he died for them. So we have to preach the preach uh, what the word of God teaches and and not be quiet about those things in the name of uh, not offending people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that is the attack in, against the church these days. That is the attack against biblical Christianity. Uh, as, and that whenever you say something is wrong, then you're accused of being judgmental. You know, we, we have to be very careful. We have to defend the gospel and not pass a perverted, watered-down gospel to the next generation because that perverted and watered-down gospel does not save anybody. Anyway, so that being said, I want to go to uh, our next uh, point in the subject, and that is how to know your calling. How to know your calling. And when I'm saying your calling, um, I just don't, I don't mean only the calling to the fivefold ministry gift, that is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But I'm also talking about the lay ministers because there's, you know, I've got good friends who, who, um, who have a calling upon their lives, not necessarily to preach the gospel full time, but uh, full time, but you know, they're called to serve. I know, I know tons of people where I live, people who feel a strong calling to, to witness to their neighbors, who feel a calling to, to serve, you know, just to serve in church and, 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 and whenever people are needed to go out to town to, to serve the people, uh, they are first in line to stand up. So, you know, God calls people to do all kinds of things, not just the fivefold ministries, which I call the pulpit ministries, but all kinds of, some people feel a calling. They, you know, they want to clean floors in the church. Other people, they want to, you know, people, um, my older son, for example, he's a He's a software engineer, but he felt, he felt a call. He wants to help with the sound in the in his home church. So the church, an assembly of God church, he goes to. He helps with the sound, and he's very faithful. And so he'll get up early in the morning and go there and help them both services. And because he feels it's a calling, so we have to know our calling, and uh, so that we can walk into it. And that applies to all Christians across the board, whether you're a so-called lay person or in the fivefold ministry gifts. The first thing you do is uh, if you, how to know your calling. Don't wait for, um, for an angel to appear and speak to you, you know, blowing a trumpet, giving you a revelation, but look for opportunities to serve. No matter how significant that in, no, how, no matter how insignificant the task might be or might appear to be. Look for opportunities to serve. Even if it's something you might think is insignificant, you have to remember one thing, nothing is insignificant in the kingdom of God. Because you know, it's like a big machine and you've got cogs. You've got those big cogs, you've got little cogs, but you know, even those little cogs, they're so important. If one of them breaks, the whole machine comes to a standstill. So nothing is insignificant in the kingdom of God. So the first thing you do, don't expect that somebody will come to you and prophesy 
over you and tell you this is what you shall do. But you look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to serve. And, uh, you know, and, um, and then you take whatever opportunity or task is given to you. Just take it. Well, it uh, you know, you might say, well, I'm called to preach. Listen, if they offer you a, 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 an opportunity to clean floors, do it. Now, I have done all those things when I was a new Christian and I was living with a team and I was on the streets witnessing. I remember the first thing they asked me to do was to clean the floors. Clean the, I've never cleaned floors in my life. I used to have servants when I grew up. I'd never cleaned a floor in my life. But I said, okay, teach me how to. So they taught me how to sweep the floor and how to mop the floor with a wet rag and a, on, a, on a broom thing, you know. And so I did that. I did that gladly because, and I did it unto the Lord. So the, I remember that was the very first task they gave me. And that was because they needed some, they needed people who would do that. And I volunteered and they said, who wants to clean, mop the floors? I said, I will mop the floors. And so I mop, mop the floors. And then the next thing, now I'm talking about other things other than witnessing and handing out tracts and singing and all those things we used to do. We used to do skits and dramas and, and preaching and sharing of testimonies. And, and, and I did all those things, but in the base, when they look for somebody to mop floors, I did that. I cleaned toilets. I did that. Then they asked me to to uh, to help with the meal preparation. And the first thing they told me was to wash the dishes. I did that. I did the dishes. And then uh, they asked me to cook. And so I cooked. I did that. So, you know, I did all those things. And uh, for me, uh, service became a part of ministry. So uh, as time went and, uh, you know, then I moved to Belgium and I was with the operation mobilization team and I cooked and uh, there were times we didn't have money. The team didn't have money for food. I used to take my uh, my friend, one of my friends, a Singaporean brother. We used to go to the beach. We lived just two blocks away from the beach. And in the evening when the, uh, you know, when, when, when the tide would ebb, we would go uh, uh, I mean, before the tide would come in, because the tide normally comes in the evening before it comes, we would go to the mussel bed and pick pick all the mussels there and cook mussels for the team so we had something to eat. I did that. I made sandwiches, you know, when we had bread and butter and jam and cheese, we made sandwiches. I did that. I served. Then later on, later on, I was taught, I was teaching at a Bible college. I was, uh, uh, I was a respected uh, member of the faculty teaching at the Bible college. And one day I'm uh, sitting and my pastor there, he was preaching and I looked at his shoes and uh, his shoes were dirty and scuffed. So uh, I, I came home and the Lord told me, go and polish his shoes. And I, I, I brought my, my, my shoe brushes, my boot polish and my rags and uh, my shoe rags. And I went and I polished. He was shocked. I said, he said, hey, come in, Christopher, what can I do? I said, nothing. I just want to polish your shoes. He was shocked that I would just sit and polish his shoes. So I polished his shoes. And uh, another time there was somebody's house was flooded. And uh, and uh, I just ran there with, uh, with, you know, with my stuff and to 
to help them clean up. So, uh, and that was when I was in full-time ministry as a preacher, never cease to be a servant. So look for opportunities to serve. Look for every opportunity you can to serve people as a servant and, and do it until it becomes a habit. So that even when you're in the fivefold ministry gifts and you are an evangelist or a pastor, you are always there ready to serve because it's a part of your instinct. It's a second nature to you. Amen. So that is how you know your calling. You know your calling uh, by looking for opportunities to serve. No matter how insignificant those opportunities are. And even if those opportunities don't line up with what you think you want to do, you want to preach, fine. But the opportunity of doing dishes is here, you do it, right? Even if So take every opportunity or task is given to you, take it joyfully. Okay, the second thing is bloom where you're planted. Wherever God has put you, wherever it has pleased God to put you, you bloom right there. You know, it's like a flower. You can put the flower in the flower bed in the garden or you can put it in a pot. If you water it, it will bloom. <coughs> I'm sorry, it will bloom where you, it is planted. So bloom wherever you are planted. Flourish wherever you're planted. And that you do by, uh, as I said, again, taking every opportunity of service that you see even if it's not what you think you would want to do, because normally we tend to look at the, plat the people on the platform and say, oh, that's what I want to do. No, you start with whatever God gives you to do. And normally the, the Lord will start you with the things that you consider unimportant or are far less in value. That is where your faithfulness will be proven. So do not shirk from those tasks, but embrace them wholeheartedly and serve God. Amen. So you can be a big executive in your home, uh, in, in your office, a uh, big shot, but don't be that big shot in church. I know some people, uh, they, you know, they, they don't like to serve. They, uh, you know, they're big multimillionaires somewhere. Then they, then they come and they, uh, you know, then, then they come to church and expect to be uh, treated special and you know, taken to the green room to meet the pastor and, and you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Now, look to serve. Uh, I remember a lady who was actually a, 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 I was introduced to this lady in a church and she was a fashion model. She was like a runway model, a millionaire. And, and then uh, when she kind of was in her thirties, you know, she, she couldn't, wouldn't do this. She wasn't doing the runway modeling anymore. She became a purchasing manager for one of the top fashion houses in Paris, traveling all around the world, purchasing fabrics for them. And then she got saved and she went to Bible school. And when I was introduced to her, I saw this very beautiful lady, good looking lady. And she, she was actually, uh, she was mopping a floor, uh, you know, with a wet rag and all that. And I was introduced to her. And I was, I was amazed that somebody in her position would do this and do this joyfully. And so, you know, be, never be big in your own eyes. Never be too big to serve. Amen. Um, I, have a, uh, I, I have a friend, uh, his wife's father is a, is a very wealthy 
man and um, uh, if I said the name you would recognize the family name very very wealthy people I went to the home church and I was introduced to him and I knew that his father-in-law was a very wealthy man but I was surprised to see him standing at the door as a greeter hanging out, handing out the songbooks to people who were coming in so be like that look for opportunities to serve amen doesn't matter what your position is outside the church in the church be a servant okay then the next thing is serve faithfully serve faithfully and i'll talk more about that later about serving faithfully and um, then as you serve you will begin to find out how and in what situation god uses you the most as you begin to serve then you will see how in what situations and how the lord begins to use you the most and as he he does that as he uses you know as he uses you you will see that you'll slowly but steadily begin to flow in the direction of your calling what god really has for you but that that is the place you'll find out as you serve you'll find out how you will notice how god uses you the most and in what situations god uses you the most and god will open other doors for you like for me for example um before i started doing crusade ministry i was on the streets i used to do a lot of street witnessing and um uh, people were getting saved people were getting healed on the streets and then some people uh, saw me and then they said brother we need an evangelist to work uh, in our it was a student ministry at a big university in Sweden they say would you work with us in the student ministry as an evangelist but we cannot pay you a salary so i had to support myself so i worked as a janitor uh, cleaning floors and toilets for a few hours a day i would start at 6 and i would work until about 11 o'clock and then i would go eat my lunch and then i would start doing this student ministry in the university i worked hard and then after some time the student ministry i got so busy with it that i couldn't uh, work my with my janitorial job either so i had to totally trust god for uh, you know for my bread and my butter so i trusted god and the lord was faithful and uh, then people began to see how hard i worked and the fruit and how people were getting saved people getting healed and then people began to give me money and soon you know i i had enough to live you know to pay my bills i was not rich by by any account but you know i just made it and uh, and so it grew from there uh, so take every opportunity to serve and even if it's an unpaid position take it because you will learn something there even if you offer an unpaid position pray about it and take it and sometimes you'll just have to trust the lord your your wages your salary will come from another source while you're serving here and so the lord will take care of you and the lord took care of me so i did that student ministry and the lord took care of me okay so these things as you do these things you will get an indication to the direction of your calling now let me let me give an example i give an example of uh, jenny mukomba who was on my team for 7 years she came uh, from um, uh, from uh, scotland scottish girl and she basically came to accompany a friend of hers a friend of hers 
uh, approached me at the end of a conference said, Pastor, I want to serve with you on your team in Africa. I said, well, you're a single girl. Can you bring a, another friend with you to be with you? Because my team is all guys and you as a single girl, it won't work very well. You'll be very lonely. So <coughs> she said, okay. So Janie came with her and Janie didn't really have a call. She just came with a friend. Well, after a year, this friend went back. So I said to Janie, so what are you going to do? Janie said, Pastor, I, I am beginning to like this. I will stay here. So Janie stayed. And, and while she stayed, she served. I mean, she was a physiotherapist. I had a car accident. She worked on my neck every day. I was in Africa. She worked on my neck and my back. And, and God used her hands because she was a qualified physiotherapist, highly qualified. Uh, and, and so she helped me. And then she served, you know. She drove the vehicle. She cooked. She did. She did. She made herself useful. And she stayed with us for seven years. But during the seven years, then uh, she began to uh, see there was a need to minister to children. So she began to do children's meetings. Now, all these things, she hadn't, had not done any of these things before, but she just saw that he was a need and, uh, and she could fit in. And she said, Pastor, I've never done children's meetings before, but I want to, I want to learn. I said, fine, do it. So she worked together with other African children evangelists and uh, in the crusade. So then she started doing uh, from children's meetings. She started doing a children's crusade from the main platform uh, in the in the daytime. In the evening was the main crusade, and she, she used to have a couple of thousand kids there. And she's preaching to those kids and praying for them and kids getting saved and her children's ministry developed. So that became her thing. Can you imagine? She came to Africa just to keep her friend company. And then after the friend left, she stayed on because she felt a nudge in her heart from God to stay on. And she stayed on and she served and different capacities, even little things like doing my neck on my back after my car accident, which I'm perfectly okay from. Uh, and, 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 you know, and she helped and uh, she would drive me to the airport and she just helped, made herself useful. Anytime anything needed to be done, Janie always volunteered. And then she felt a need to help the, to do something for the kids. And she had not done children's ministry before, but she did it and she did it well. And today now she is happily married she uh, she she married a man from Zambia. She has two children and they have their own children's ministry. And it's quite advanced because they do children's crusades and meetings, but they make TV programs that Janie herself has written the storyline and she produces it herself. And it is on TV in several countries in Africa. It is called Tommy Time or something. So she... They have a great, fantastic ministry and they have their own cameras and equipment and their, uh, and their team and they make these children's videos that is uh, broadcast on a weekly basis on several TV, uh, um, TV stations in Africa on a weekly basis. And so Janie has, this, uh, has her own ministry called Moana Ministries uh, doing a fantastic job reaching children in Africa with the gospel. And how did it start? It started with her accompanying her friend to Africa, not because she felt she was called to preach in Africa, but she just came with her friend. And after her friend left, 
she stayed on to help and she made herself useful in whatever capacity. She could have said, you know, I don't feel like I have anything to do here. I'm not called to preach, so I want to go back home. No, she wanted to stay and serve God and she grew and she developed in that ministry. And today, some years later, she has got her own ministry in Africa. And, and whenever I'm in Zambia and she's in town, I always say, Janie, come and preach for me. And she always preaches one night at the crusade for me and God uses her. She does a great job. So you got to understand you, you got to bloom where you're planted and that's where you develop. And that's where, you know, that's where things happen, right? So look for opportunity to serve. And Janie is a perfect example of somebody who just came with no sense of calling, with no know-how on what to do. Uh, <coughs> a white girl from Scotland in Africa. And today she has her own ministry, which is blooming, flourishing, highly respected, winning many souls for Jesus. Her TV programs are in different countries and God is using her. So I wanted to, Jenny, if you're watching this, you know how much I love you and you're like my daughter and God bless you and you have done so well. Amen. So anyway, so uh, Jenny is a great example of somebody who looked to just look for opportunities to serve and served and and you know and God could do something with their life. So that is where you start. If you want to serve God, whether as a in a full-time capacity or as a lay, lay minister, uh, look for those opportunities and God will give them to you. Well, God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this. I ask you to uh, use them for your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. May they develop in their calling and they grow in their calling and you use them, Father. Father, bless each family, bless each home, meet every need they have, Father, the needs of healing, the needs of provision. And Lord, let us all be witnesses for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. God bless you. I'll see you again tomorrow.